Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in for the Hootsard Huddle podcast presented by HootsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fam. You are now inside the huddle. Bringing in Michael Hotard back for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast alongside Danny Hillman, Matt Labatu. Talking NFL, we missed last week. I was feeling under the weather. Danny was feeling under the weather. We called an audible, called it off, uh, but we are back and uh, plenty to discuss. Holy shit. We picked the wrong weeks to miss an episode because of all the drama that has come out since. So there's going to be a lot to talk about, but uh, before we get started, I mean, I think it's customary. What are we drinking tonight, fellas? Got a little uh, Shiner Holiday Cheer tonight. Switching it up. Usually go water. Going a little uh, liquid gold. Dude, Shiner Holiday Cheer, same thing. It's what I'm drinking. And uh, I'm really excited and happy about it, bottom line. So, uh, Danny, what what are you going to... I mean, I went the Matt route. I went water. Um, this water is called Michelob Ultra. Um, it's got a, you know, a watery taste to it. But I gotta we used to drink for- those while while we played flag football, down seven or eight of them during a game. It was great. It's, it's got a beer aftertaste. It, it does. Uh, yeah. It has a little bit of a beer water aftertaste. Water with a beer aftertaste. Yeah. It, it's... It's like the LaCroix of beer water. Yeah, it's huge. It's great stuff. But let's dive right into it. So, I mean, I think the two biggest stories right now is centered around two very polarizing players in the NFL, that being Aaron Rodgers and, of course, Odell Beckham. Dealer's choice here. Who do we want to start with? I think we got to kick it off with Aaron Rodgers, man. Okay. Well, I kind of talked about it in the blog, kind of went into Aaron Rodgers now. Um, The fact that, I mean, I don't agree with the fact that he's unvaccinated. At this point, there's enough data out there. People should be vaccinated. But we already know what the situation is. Some people are just not going to listen and not going to get vaccinated. But... The big issue I have with him is the fact that he lied about it. He, and I don't even know that I'd call it a lie. I'd call it spin doctoring because he was asked about it um, very early on. I think it was prior to the season. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm immunized. Um, And now we come to find out he gets COVID. He's been going all season without masks um, and come to find out he's not vaccinated. That's where the big problem is. And he lied about it. He has hit it for now. I think he got busted on it eight weeks in. So, you know, you're talking several months of this and the Packers let it fall through the cracks. Aaron Rodgers got away with it. And the only thing to come out of it was a $14,000 fine for Aaron Rodgers and a $300,000 fine for the Packers. Personally, my opinion It should have been bigger fines on both ends. And the Packers not only should have lost draft picks, even if it wasn't a first rounder, at least take away some of those middle draft picks. And Aaron Rodgers should have been suspended for at least a game, if not more. Um, Because this is the big topic right now in the world, not just the U.S. And 
it's just irresponsible, period. Yeah, I mean, my I'm I'm in agreement with you. I mean, you know, I guess I take issue with Rogers, you know, not being transparent, I guess is probably the best way, right? Um, found, you know, some sort of loophole, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for me, I take a bigger issue with how the league handled it. Um, you know, especially when you've seen some of the stuff in the past, uh, to me, they really lose a lot of credibility as far as, you know, you hear a lot from, usually it's some guy that had too many, uh, beer waters, um, but that the NFL has it out for this team or that team, or they care and, you know, take care of these teams. Um, it's hard to make that that case against that right now. I don't think that's the case, but the NFL, I think I said this a few weeks back, always seems to be one step behind. You know, I think when, when we were talking about it, the NBA is always one step ahead. The NFL is always one step behind. Um, this is a time where they, they didn't even need to like lay down the hammer on Rodgers and the Packers. They just had to hold them accountable. Um, I was looking today and, and, you know, we'll have to check the math, but the, with Aaron Rodgers' salary and that fine, I think it came out to like, if you were to compare it to the average American, about a $33 fine. Um, kind of ridiculous, you know, and then you also hear the, the CD lamb fine where he's fined 20 grand for his uniform. Well, he, his uniform shirt was untucked and he's fined yeah. 20 grand. So, you got a guy lying about being vaccinated. Yeah. And I get that it was lamb's third of offense and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, when does the common sense clause come into play? And that's what the NFL keeps missing time and time again. You know, it, I mean, it started with, you know, years back with Tagliabu and pretty much the just, you know, look at the police blotter and you had some sort of pro on there, you know, NFLer. Um, then you had the whole Ray Rice incident just completely botched time and time again. They always. Well, how did the Ray Rice that now I'm going to, I'm going to interject here. How did the Ray Rice thing get botched? Because he never played it down again. He didn't play the down again, but it was really because of, in my opinion, this is and just my opinion, the, the public outcry, the hand was forced because, you know, and, and maybe you don't agree, Mike, but for me, it, it just seemed like, they weren't taking any of that seriously. Um, and then that happened and it was on video and it was like, oh, I guess we have to do something about it. Now, granted, since then, they've tried to clean a lot of that up. But again, one step behind. Here you go again. I wouldn't know, with- say they're one step behind, though, because when it comes to the domestic violence issues in the NFL, they're a step ahead of every other league. Yeah, but that I'm saying when that first happened. Now, after the fact, I agree with you. Um but I'm not going to take up all the time arguing with you with that. Cause I do that with you daily because you're a schmuck. Um, you're but, welcome. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that's in my head and I'll, I'll give it to Matt here in a second is, you know, what do you guys think if this player that did this was not named Aaron Rodgers? I, I really would like to know. Yeah. Uh, well, going into to the question you just asked, uh, 
I think maybe some of it, uh, at least with the NFL, not really bringing this up or not making this known, were they protecting their star player? I mean, they know Aaron Rodgers brings in uh, brings in that revenue, brings in those uh, TV viewership numbers. I'm not saying they did it. I'm not trying to say it's some conspiracy, but would it be a surprise if you know this guy kind of swept under the rug? And really, if Aaron Rodgers never tested positive, would any of us be talking about this right now? Like, I honestly, I think it was Aaron Rodgers' uh, plan to just hope nobody ever found out. Honestly, and 100%. and I. I and I agree with you, Mike, what you were saying earlier. Uh, if it's not lying, it's at least misleading. Because if you listen to the conversation, he says that he's immunized. Then when he goes on, uh, you know, a couple sentences later or whatever in the same uh, conversation, he talks about his other players' vaccination status or not being vaccinated. He's a smart he guy. Aaron Rodgers is into the idea that it's ex- exactly stuff. Like Aaron Rodgers isn't stupid. Let's let's not act like he's a dumb guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, he knows what he's saying. I think he absolutely knew what he was doing, trying to twist words around and and try to just hope he could fool people. Uh, another thing that came out, uh, they were saying, uh, you know, at the Packers facility and through all the meetings, they were saying, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers has been wearing his mask in private and all this stuff and at the facility. But when he's in public, he wants to give the perception that he's vaccinated by not wearing a mask at press conferences and, and uh, yeah. you know, in, in public which is another thing that kind of annoyed me is you're trying to mislead the public again, at least in my opinion. But uh, yeah, uh, it was, a, it was definitely a rough week for him. Uh, definitely caught a lot of crap for it. Uh, I, I think he definitely deserved it. I think the NFL deserves to catch some crap for this too, because uh, Aaron Rodgers was saying it was, it was weeks and weeks ago that he sent this letter to them uh, asking for them to review his uh, quote unquote immunization status with his, uh, whatever therapeutic healing or whatever he did with his, uh, with his doctor, I guess you can call the guy. And, the other, and they knew the about this. Too, the other part too, is he goes on Pat McAfee's show and then he just digs the rabbit hole even deeper um, with all the disinformation that he tried spewing, including NFL doctors saying, don't get the vaccine because it's not a hundred percent effective. Well, no shit. No one ever said it was. And it was just one of the many things that he said that was just, complete disinformation um right and in terms of danny's question circling back to that do i think that the hammer gets cracked down if it's another player honestly no because if it was another player like let's say it was and i'm only going to use this as an example just because he plays for the saints and um he's not a well-known player outside of new orleans let's say it's someone like deontay harris the national media is not going to give a shit if it's Deontay Harris, but the national media is certainly going to give a shit if it's Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, uh, you know, anybody who's a big name, who is a mega star in the league. Um, but the whole situation, I mean, bottom line, irresponsible. That's the best way to put it. Um, and it's, I mean, how many guys are now doing this, though? How many guys have lied? If it was that easy to slip through the cracks, if you're a star player um, who media has access to you, um, how easy was it for other people? So I don't know. But um, I do want to add that he, to, to Roger's credit, he was one hell of a John Wick for Halloween. <laughs> but, um, Except John Wick's also an awesome, 
awesome human, you know? Um, probably wouldn't lie. Right. Definitely not. John Wick's not a liar. He'll just tell you, I'm going to kill you. Um, but you know, and the one last thing I'll add to the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, he has a very strong reputation of being a ball bag. And this certainly didn't help that whatsoever. Um, he's a prick. I yeah, mean, that's, that's just so, the reputation he has. He's a prick. And it just adds to that. Now, um, obviously, the other story that I kind of mentioned, OBJ, Odell Beckham. Well, it's official. He is signed with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, that whole sweepstakes, which, again, we kind of missed the train on, but we can still talk about it. So, um, well, the Rams just get another weapon. Um, and... I'm just curious to see what the pr- production value is going to be. Um, you know, he definitely checked all the boxes uh, because it was reported that he wanted to go someone who is in the hunt for a Super Bowl. Rams are certainly in that number. He wanted to play for a quarterback who could get him the ball. Stafford's surf- certainly in that number. And he wanted to go to a place where he was going to get a certain amount of targets. Rams know how to throw the ball, maybe better than anyone in the league right now. Um but it's going to be interesting. I mean, that defense is already loaded. That offense is already loaded. Now you pair him with Cooper Cup, who's probably the front runner for Offensive Player of the Year right now. You get him with Robert Woods, Tyler Higbee, Daryl Henderson. That offense is about – I mean, that offense is already stupid. Um but I'm curious to see what kind of production value he brings because I was having this conversation with um, someone the other night and Odell Beckham is still living off of his reputation from 2016. He's still living off of his reputation for this first three years in the league. And he's still living off that reputation of that great one-handed catch, which is one of the best plays of all time. So make no mistake about it. Odell Beckham's a great receiver, but I think people still overvalue how great he is unless he can kind of change the direction because the only thing we have to go on is the body of work over the last five years, which really isn't great. He's got a pair of thousand yard seasons where he barely broke it. Um, He's dealt with injuries, missed games, things like that. So it's, I'm curious to see if he can kind of break his own mold and get back into the conversation but the production value isn't there. The reliability isn't there. And I feel like the baggage is just added up at this point to where he could essentially go the other direction, being in LA, possibly just doing dumb shit off the field. So on the surface, kind of the same thing I said about the Raiders when that was a potential destination, the team fits, the personnel fits, does the personality fit? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess with all the star power that the Rams have, they juggle personalities remarkably well. I mean, they got guys like Jalen Ramsey over there who, you know, is anything but shy. Um, so as far as keeping him in check, I think they'll be just fine. I was personally shocked that this is the first move that I can remember in the McVay era where uh, – a player came to the Rams midseason and they didn't give up a first or second round pick, maybe because they don't have any left, you know, from now until the end of time. Um, But, you know, 
to kind of echo what you said, Mike, it's one of those things where this is, if he fails with the Rams, there's no more excuse, you know, with, with the giants, it was coaching old Eli, you know, all that Um, with the Browns, it was Baker was too worried about getting them the ball, stuff like that. You know, you heard all, all of that chatter Um, probably didn't help. Odell's case that you know the week he leaves the Browns go out and just kick the shit out of the Bengals who looked like they were playoff contenders I, I still think they are but playoff contenders the week before right um if he fails here it's just there's no more excuse you're not getting double teamed with a roster like that you have a quarterback who throws an insanely accurate deep ball. I mean, that's, you know, and you have a defense that's going to keep you in every game. So you're not going to have the opposing team's defense just sitting back in coverage. So um, we'll see. I, I honestly thought, you know, at the beginning of the day when I woke up, I didn't even think the Rams were a possibility for him, which just shows how quick it turns around. I thought he was a, a Seahawk, a Niner, or maybe a Saint. Now, one of the things that I will say that works into his benefit, and this was the problem with Stefanski's offense, there's not a lot of improv, improvisation by receivers in Stefanski's offense. Um, I think that was one of the reasons Stefan Diggs um, got frustrated a lot of times in Minnesota, um, just because the playbook wasn't opened up for his style of play, which is streaking downfield and making plays. Um, and that kind of got unlocked with Josh Allen. McVay's offense is kind of the opposite. You see the chemistry that's been built in that offense with guys like Cooper Cup. Now, Robert Woods, I think, has a pretty steady role in that offense to open things up and free guys up. And I kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago when uh, that classic case of, you know, me picking him up in waivers because Ryan Sochet dropped him after week three. But, um, you know, Cooper Cup's been able to kind of freelance a little bit. Um, and I'm sure, I am sure that Odell Beckham is going to get that leeway a little bit, um, especially with Stafford. I mean, Stafford still has a cannon for an arm. I mean, dude's got an absolute hose. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but I I do agree. I mean, if this is the if this is the final stop, this is this is your perfect situation. This is what you wanted. If you fail. It is entirely on you. There is no excuse because there hasn't been a player that has walked into that offense to date and just failed miserably. It has been next man up for that offense that, you know, everyone kind of wondered what was going to happen with the Rams offense when we found out that Todd Gurley has bad arthritis in his knees um, during that Super Bowl run when he all of a sudden disappeared come playoff time. Who would step up? Every single running back that's been part of it. Now they ran through the, running back by committee um, the following season, I believe. Now they've kind of found their guy with Henderson until at least Cam Akers comes back. But there has been constant progression, and everyone that who, who has come into that offense has been a big-time player. Everyone from Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson, they thrive. So, yeah, I mean, 100% excuses are completely and utterly out of the window. Yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely agree that I didn't think 
at all if the Rams would be a possibility. I actually you know, alluded to the text I sent you guys. I was like, oh, why did OBJ sign with the Rams to be the fourth best receiver on that team? <laughs> now, I don't really think he's the fourth best receiver, but I mean, he's going to get his touches because he's Odell Beckham. The first thing I'll say is people kind of need to temper their expectations with who Odell Beckham is at this point in his career. He's not an elite number one receiver. I, I think those days have come and passed, and I don't know if it's necessarily ability, but I think that kind of got sapped with two major injuries. He had his his bad ankle fracture or, or ankle break with uh with the Giants, and he had the ACL injury with the Browns. Like I don't I don't know if I see him as that that deep threat. That I also that think everybody... he's got another injury, and that being a bruised ego. Yeah, and that that plays into it. I mean. I mean, and, and this is me uh, being a Browns fan. I've watched quite a few of their games over the last few years, and it just looks like he's never really been in sync with that offense. Uh, this year, it looks like he was just going kind of off script. It looked like just not running crisp routes or not running what the play design was, and that gets Baker all flustered and, and gets him off of his game. Now, I think he'll roll into the Rams, and you know that offense is is – obviously built extremely well. McVay's an excellent coach. Uh, exactly like you guys were saying, if he doesn't get it right here, like where does he even go from here? I'm not saying it's the end of the line in the NFL for him, but he's not going to get a big multi-year contract if this doesn't work. Uh, yeah, It's kind of his last shot to, to get it right. I, I think he ended up making a good choice. Like his target share is not going to be insane just because of who they have on the roster with Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Like He's not going to get a crazy target share. I'd probably say it maybe hovers around 15, 20% the rest of the year. But I mean, if he can step up and, and make plays and with all the other guys on that team, he'll definitely be able to get uh, get open because he could definitely show that video of him, you know, apparently getting open all the time. But uh, well, dude, and what's funny though is like, okay, so because of course his dad came out and defended him and everything like that. Like, that's your son, cool, whatever. But why don't you show the videos of all the times your son walked routes on the field and wasn't actually going full speed? Like, I'm just going to call it what it is. Odell Beckham has become a big piece of shit, in my opinion. Like, I wouldn't want to play with him. If I'm Baker and I'm trying to build this offense, I get fucking pissed. Like, and then on top of that, you throw in the drops. He's got one of the highest drop rates in the NFL. And... He's supposed to be the improv deep ball guy who can go up and get him. Well, if you're dropping the ball, why am I going to fucking airmail it to you 50 yards in the air when you can't even catch a routine pass, let alone in coverage? So I just think, again, like, you know, we can, of course, talk about some of the injuries you mentioned, but I'm not joking. And like, it's crass to say, but bruised ego is a big one that I think he has produced. Then you can have that kind of relationship with your quarterback i'm no quarterback's gonna throw to you downfield if you're not making routine plays and they certainly don't trust you to go up and get it in single or even double coverage um you know be the star you think you are yeah absolutely you gotta let it show on the field i mean it's almost like he's been injured for four years and he's just been <laughs> you know He's around, state. but <laughs> yeah, like a very pedestrian couple of years. Um, the other thing too, I mean, he's not only the only guy to jump on board to a team, you know, the homecoming's in effect with Cam Newton. 
you know, like, let's start. Uh, let, hey, bring that up. Let's talk about that. Cause I like, let's hamper the expectations there too. We already talked about it with Odell. Cam Newton, certainly not a spring chicken. He's not prime Cam Newton, which I do want to, you know, it is awesome to see his homecoming. If did y'all watch the homecoming video he posted? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, I'm going to go dope. watch it. Like, it was cool, man. Like, I, I'm glad that Cam Newton is going back to the Panthers. Um, you know, he was one of the most fun quarterbacks to watch, which feels like an eternity ago. And, you know, his MVP season, probably a top five quarterback season in NFL history. I mean, he threw 35 touchdowns, I think, that season, had 10 picks. And then on top of that, he had – God, I think he had almost 50 total touchdowns on the season because he had a bunch of rushing touchdowns too. I mean, he was the offense that year, and he was for a large portion of his time in Carolina. Um, and just a guy who I think gets a very bad rap um, in a lot of ways unfairly, some of which self-inflicted. But I'm excited to see him go back to Carolina, even if it doesn't lead to anything. Um but the funniest kind of script that came out of it's the meme that, uh, you know, Cam Newton is replacing his replacements, replacement, replacement. Like they moved on from him and then they're like, all right, all right, no, come back. We need you now. So, um, Hey, I'm, I'm excited to see him back in Carolina. Absolutely. I mean, when do they sign Keekly? He's coming out of retirement for one last ride. It's going to be like wrestling. I'm watching Olsen doing the halftime show. Like, let's just bring it back, you know, run it back one more time. Swan song. Um, Steve Smith too. Why not? You know, anyone know where Moose and Muhammad is these days? Oh, what a name drop. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but no, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, it goes one of two ways. Either it's Cam's swan song and it gets to kind of ride off into the sunset, which is something that quarterbacks don't get a lot, a, a big chance to do is go back to the, the team they're with. I mean, yes, positional players may sign, you know, a day contract or something, you know. Um, but you don't see that that often for a quarterback. So it's cool how it kind of lined up. Um, well, it's or, cool that going back to what I said about Mark Ingram, um, a couple of weeks back, it's not the one day contract. He's actually mm-hmm. going there and going to play. So regardless of how it happens, nostalgia kicks in, appreciation kicks in. So it's 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 a cool story. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's probably the least amount of pressure that Cam's going to have in the last five years or so, because if he falls flat on his face and he just doesn't have it anymore, it's still, you know. Hey, this is our guy, like I said, riding off into the sunset. Um, glad he was able to retire Panther. And, you know, he he gets to to do the farewell tour, you know. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens. I think he probably needs a full two weeks. I know for they said PJ Walker is already playing and starting on Sunday. Um, but I I would say they probably need one more week to get him up because it is different coach, different playbook. You know, it's no well, longer said he wouldn't start this week. Yeah, no, I'm saying I think it's going to be an additional week of getting that oh, okay. off down, you know, and then then you see him. So we'll see some um, I wanted to bring up really quick. 
that we missed a couple of weeks ago that I I feel like didn't get enough recognition um, than it deserved. Did y'all see that David Baker uh, retired from the Pro Football Hall of Fame? So sad. Yeah, man. Like that's how I, I just thought about it randomly um, and wanted to bring it up because, dude, one of my favorite parts of uh, the NFL season is the videos of him showing up at players' houses and, of course, um, hits them with, uh, you know, congratulations. You're going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Thank you for everything you've done for the game. We'll do for the game the whole spiel. And it's led to so many awesome moments. The Jimmy Johnson breakdown with Troy Aikman, them showing him, and he's like breaking down too as Jimmy Johnson's getting his induction. Um, Showing up at Charles Woodson's house. And you just see all these legends of the NFL. Um just utterly surprised, thankful. And like, dude, he just does it in such a cool way that just grips you emotionally. So I did want to mention that because, man, who are you going to get that's better than David Baker? Edgerin James. Dude. <laughs> they need to get Marshawn Lynch to do it. I was that's, no, that's it. Even, even better. You win. <laughs> Danny, is that what you were going to say? I was going to say Marshawn and then just to – just to uh, feed your your fantasy, Mike, Chad Ochocinco. Dude, it would be great. Dude, speaking of, put that man in the Hall of Fame already, damn it. Give him his jacket. Give that man his jacket. Um, but no, man, like I saw that and I was just like, shit, this is disappointing. Um, and he, he stepped down to like you know, take face. time for himself. But coolest job in the world, though. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, let's uh, I, I talked about this in the um, most recent uh, not so Monday morning thoughts. Let's let's go ahead and talk about the awards, um, midseason awards, uh, since we are at around the halfway point. Um, I was pretty it wasn't really hard for me to decipher um, who is getting what awards. And I think it's been pretty clear cut at every, everything except maybe coach, um, and defensive player of the year. So, um, we'll go ahead and start with MVP who, if the season ended today, who is your pick for MVP? Now I know we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, I think like week five, maybe, um, things have changed since then, but, uh, let's go ahead and hear it. Who, who do you guys have as your MVP at this point throughout the season? So I'll probably still lean Kyler Murray right now, even though that offense still looked pretty damn good without him last week. And it looked like the team didn't really miss a beat. Uh, that would be the only reason why I may not lean Murray, but I'll probably still go there. If not Murray, I'd probably say Tom Brady. Those are definitely my 1A, 1B right now, but I'll still give it to Kyler. Uh, yeah, you can just chalk mine up as Matt's echo. Um, that's exactly who I would go with is uh, Kyler, but he's slowly falling back because of injury concerns. Um, would love nothing more than Russell Wilson getting back from this injury to just go on an absolute tear and, and take it, you know, 
Um, I love it. That that NFC West is up for grabs. I mean, you, you have the Cardinals, um, but after that, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year, we were talking about could that be the first division to ever have all four in? You know, um, so I would like that, but yeah, right now it's it's Murray and Brady. Well, I I'm gonna say definitively it's Brady, um, and I understand the Kyler Murray. But this is kind of where the MVP award gets jaded for me. So we expect this out of Brady. Murray's having his quote-unquote breakout season, if you will. And people, I think, are looking at that and being like, yeah, you know, Kyler Murray, he's new, he's shiny. But at the end of the day, when you break this down, I mean, you know, Tom Brady's sitting at one game back in terms of record. He's on pace right now currently um he's averaging 331 yards a game um so if he assuming he plays the entire season you're looking at 5600 yards he's going to break the passing yardage record by a mile um and then you throw in the 25 touchdowns he's currently at that pace is out to 53. So he'll be the fourth player or uh, I'm sorry, third player in NFL history to hit 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. So right now I think Brady is the clear cut, but because it is Tom Brady and because it's what we expect of him, I don't think it's getting enough recognition. Yeah, I think think that's, that's fair. Uh, I, I think a lot of what MVPs are first off, it's obviously basically a quarterback driven award. I would have loved to see Derrick Henry stay healthy. I think he had a, a, a legit, a legit shot. I think he had a good shot to do it, but uh, just sucks to see him get hurt. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you're crazy saying that uh, people love to give MVP awards to shiny new toys. And you could still argue Kyler's kind of the shiny new toy hasn't gotten his, I guess, recognition yet, just because he's still kind of coming into his own, but he's having a great year. I think they, yeah. And they just like to give it to, to newer people. It's like the LeBron James effect in basketball. He should probably be the MVP most years, but he's not going to get it every year. Agreed. Now offensive player of the year. I kind of alluded to this earlier. I mean, are we all in agreement that Cooper cup is the clear front runner for this award right now? And it's his to lose. Was he at like 70 catches already? Let's see. I will find out right now. So Cooper cup, um, yes, he is at 74 receptions. He's got 1,019 yards, 10 touchdowns. So Jesus. if we break, he's leading the league in all of those categories. I mean, right now he has the triple crown for receivers with receptions, yards, and touchdowns. So breaking that down of what he's on pace for. So he's on pace to have 140 catches. He is on pace to have... 1900 yards so he's gonna break that record and then he is on pace to have 19 touchdowns on the season so yeah i mean who else is gonna be up there if derrick henry was healthy yeah it would have probably been the conversation where maybe we're talking co-mvp or uh co-offensive player of the year but right now it's cooper cup no question I think one of the funniest things about Cup, too, and I remember him coming into the NFL from, like, eastern Washington or wherever he was from, 
slow, can't get separation, just the possession receiver guy. And look at this dude now. He's an absolute it. star. That was funny. Dude's, dude's good. Well, you know what I did? I think this was three seasons ago. I did, you know, top 10 most underrated players heading into the season. Cooper Cup was at the top of my list. And it was funny because I was talking to a surface friend about this. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is, is he underrated? Because everyone is literally saying he's underrated. So maybe he's not as underrated as we think because of that. Uh, but he is just, dude, he has just progressed into an absolute bona fide star. Like as of now, Cooper cup is a top five receiver in the league bar none. Um, you know, and kind of that same effect. Matt Stafford unlocked the Rams offense. Cooper Cup has unlocked Matt Stafford and vice versa. So it's it's a really cool dynamic. And, dude, Cooper Cup just continues to absolutely murder opponents. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure Cooper Cup has four grabs in this Dolphins-Ravens game right now. Um, that's, how, <laughs> that's how often he's received, you know, just coming down with the ball. Um, what I really appreciate the most about his game is kind of like you know, when we were just talking about Odell, deep threat, all that. Um, he really – Cup really does it all. He and does. He's not a big guy. Like, you know, he just goes across the middle. Sure, I'll do it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's him. It's got to be. He's great creating separation. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in man or zone. He's going to find ways to create separation. And that's the thing. When teams are in zone and they're sitting back, he is very good at finding the soft spots and just sitting there and letting it known that he is wide the hell open. So um, he, he is absolutely fun to watch, man. He's, he's fantastic. So next up is going to be the defensive player of the year, which it's a two horse race. Um, and I'll just start off. If you would have asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Trayvon Diggs definitively. Um, I'm going with Miles Garrett. Um, he is having an absolute monster season. So, and not to take away from Trayvon Diggs, because he is as well. Um, but Miles Garrett is leading the league in pressures, he's leading the league in sacks. Um, and he has been the anchor of that Browns defense and worth every bit of that number one overall pick. Um so I'm going to give him the slight edge over Diggs, but this race is still very much wide open, um, and I think it's one of them definitively at this point. Yeah, right now I'll definitely go Miles Garrett because he's already got, what, 12 and a half sacks through nine games? Yeah, he's on pace to break Strahan's 22 and a half. I think he's on pace to get 23 this season. He's just, he's unblockable. Uh, he's got, it's at 12 sacks, 12 tackles for a loss, and 23 hits on the quarterback already, which is just insane. And I know Jadavian Clowney's on the other side, but dude is still getting double teamed. Yes, and, he's and, one of the most double teamed defensive linemen in the league. Right, and his, his pass, uh, pass rush win rate, at, try saying that five times fast, uh, is it, still, it, it's still great. It's just, you, you can't block him. Uh, Going back to Diggs, I think like you were saying earlier, you know, you might have said Diggs, but after looking at him a little bit and watching some more some more games and seeing the Cowboys play, he has that ten. He he gambles. He you does. Know, he really likes to gamble to get the interception. It, it can be a good. You know, Deion Sanders loved to gamble. He had times where he got 
you know, burnt as well and gave up big plays. I think we're we're starting to see Diggs kind of give up the big plays a little. I don't know if it's these coordinators. What's, what's funny, I'll kind of poo-poo on myself a little bit for this because a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, I was saying how it's not like Deion Sanders. And then that very next week, he got burned for the long touchdown. Um, of course, made the play afterwards to seal it. Um and yeah, he's he's been getting burned a little bit more. Um, but as long as he keeps getting those picks and causing turnovers, I mean, you're not really hurting your team. You're watching it. Um, but um, here's what's interesting though with Garrett right now. So, um, you know, he was he was a rookie in 2017. Now we don't have the pressure numbers. Um, Pro Football Reference, which is a site I absolutely love, started tracking uh, advanced defensive stats in 2018. But during that 2018 season, he had 13 and a half sacks, 48 pressures. That was in 16 games. We're nine games in, and he's at 36 pressures already. Um, and he's already surpassed his 2020 and 2019 total, um, which, of course, he didn't play um, in all 16 games in either of those seasons played 10 and 14 respectively. Um, but dude, Garrett is just absolutely balling and having Clowney on the other side, like you mentioned, has certainly helped, but it doesn't change the fact that Garrett is the best pass rusher in the NFL. And he is very much the blue. I, I won't say the blueprint, but there was a time where Von Miller was definitively the best. Miles Garrett is that guy now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I guess just so we're not redundant, I'll throw someone else's name in in the hat. Um, it's not Chase Young. Sorry, Michael. John, uh, but I know. But I hope it, I hope you're going where I think you're going because if you're not, I'm going to slap you. I'm going uh, T.J. Watt. Okay, wasn't so, what I was expecting, but fair. Who did you think? Kevin Byard with Tennessee. Okay, not bad yet. I like Watt just because he's done a little bit of everything um, and he's done it quite well, you know. Um, also, when you think defense, you have to think Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Um, since the beginning of time, pretty much. But 11 and a half sacks, uh, 18 QB hits, three forced fumbles, two recovered. He's got uh, four, you know, four pass breakups. Uh, you don't see that stat line across the board a lot. Um, no, but you also uh, don't see the fact that, uh, you know, just going to throw this out there. Miles um, Garrett has, uh, well, 11 more pressures than him. Without a doubt. Watt, Watt also missed, and this hurts him too, but Watt missed week three, week seven. Um, but, you know, in order to win, you have to be on the field competing. Um, but I think as the year goes on, um, he's going to make a, a strong, strong push, especially since Pittsburgh thrives in the the nasty weather we're about to get into in the next couple months. I know Cleveland's right there, right? I mean, but Pittsburgh just in those sloppy games, I think he's going to just thrive in it. Um, my my pick probably would have been Garrett, but since you know you guys talked about him enough. Um, I'm going to go TJ Watt. All right. And, you know, I, you know, to quote the great Joe Kim Noah, though, um, never heard anyone say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. So, um, you know, give Cleveland some credit where it's due, damn it. 
Um, so offensive player of the year. Um, now that we've covered that, let's go to offensive rookie. I, again, I think, uh, again, going through all these awards, I felt like most of them are dead runaways. Um, but are we in agreement that Jamar Chase is the offensive rookie? No questions. Barring injury, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think you're high if you don't think it's him at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and then defensive rookie, I mean, got to be Micah. That's what I think. Yeah. He's already had such a big impact on that defense, and his motor is just – it looks like it never gets shut off. He's all over the field. Well, the fact uh, that he's I, played linebacker and defensive end and been great at both, and when I mean both. great, like, I mean, near the top of the league as both positions, he's so It's hard to be good versatile. at one. Exactly. It's it's insane. Just in, uh, I think, what was it, the other night they had a play where he's lined up at, uh, at like, defensive end or something like that, or, or maybe the linebacker position – and chases down a running back at an angle and gets to the run. It's like, how the hell did he get there that fast? And he's that big. It's just, it's not fair. Jerry Jones really hit the load there. And it's so funny because one of the things that, you know, we talked about about draft night was Cowboys got screwed out of one of the cornerbacks that they were clearly eyeing. But I think they, they had oh, a gift out. fall into their lap with Micah Parsons, period. Um, because I don't think he goes anywhere for years to come. I mean, I think that is going to be a eight to ten year player in Dallas that is the stalwart of that defense. Um, then comeback player of the year, you have a few options here. My pick was Dak, um, another cowboy, um, coming off that gruesome injury, being able to come back. Now he's of course missed some time, but um, I mean <laughs> It's so cliche and so stupid. You hear this all the time in the NFL. You hear this all the time in wrestling. He's back and he's better than ever. But Dax looked damn good this season. Yeah, I mean, yeah. besides last game, uh, oh, go ahead, Danny. No, you go, you go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I was just gonna say, besides last game, it, it looks like he almost hasn't missed a beat or, or has looked better. And you know, that offense is littered with talent. Uh, it's. You know, people may not like the Cowboys and may not like Dak Prescott, but I think the NFL is better having him in it. It definitely makes that team more exciting. Uh, but, yeah, he's 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 probably my choice. It's definitely a feel-good story. Dak's a, an easy guy to root for. I think he's, he's a pretty likable guy. Uh, so I, I think he'll end up getting it, especially if the Cowboys, which it looks like they're probably going to win the division and, and go to the playoffs. I, I don't see how you really give it to anybody else. The only other one I think is in consideration is another quarterback coming back from injury. Um, Gruesome. And and that's, you know, Joseph Lee Burrow plays over in Cincinnati. Uh, that's yeah. true. You know, I, and obviously Chase helps contribute to that and vice versa, right? Um, we can put to rest the they're crazy for going Chase over, you know, uh, can I see, well, um, which I thought completely. I was – that's I was team Panay, right? Um, but for him to come back that fast um, from, like you said, Mike, a, a gruesome injury like that, I mean, you know, you really did turn away seeing it. Um, and not only come back, but I don't know that there was any rust. I mean, he, he's just like, oh, look, this is a football field. I guess I should throw a couple TDs today. Um so I think it, it probably comes down to whoever's playing better at the end of the year for those two. Now, 
Here's what's interesting, though. When you look at the list of potential comeback players now, I'm looking at the Vegas odds. Of course, the top two. Um, well, actually, Burrow is third behind Saquon Barkley. Um, yeah, what? Yeah, I, I don't He hasn't come back yet. He's barely done anything <laughs> yeah. this year, honestly, and he's hurt yeah. again. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and scratch Saquon off that list, but there are a couple of other mentions that I – do you think deserve some credit here? Um, so Dak and Burrow are two of the top three. Um, one that is interesting, but it won't get it because of the position, Nick Bosa, um, who's having a very good year, seven sacks. Um, but San Francisco is kind of tumbling, um, and he's a defensive end. But this is another uh, two that I really like. Again, won't win it, and there's a reason their odds are set so low. Um, but Derwin James who's one of the best safeties when healthy and the other one who was having his best season to date, another Cincinnati Bengal, Joe Mixon. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think uh, if, if you're not even the best comeback player story on your own team and that's not a shot at Mixon, it's, it's Burrow, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it just, it is what it is. You know, like it, it's it's got to be Dak or Burrow. Um, I get that the other ones should be considered, but they should be considered as like honorable mentions at best. To me, that's a two horse race. I now here's what uh, here's one that would have been interesting. Who's just on the list that I was looking at, and obviously what, that won't happen the, now. What list is it? From? What's that? What what list are you pulling from? Uh, it was one that I found with just the Vegas odds. Um, as was of it? this was um well this was also posted back in august so um gotcha okay heading so, into the season yeah, okay, but okay. um one that was on the list and very low down the list but an interesting choice um james winston so had he played had he not gotten hurt unfortunately that would have been an interesting candidate especially if the saints made the playoffs and he was on pace to have his best season to date so that would have been interesting. Um, so I just kind of wanted to make mention of that, but that brings us into uh, the last award before we get into the fun part, which is of course, fantasy and the bullshit going on in our lives with fantasy. Um, but coach of the year. So I will give the floor to you guys for this one before I tell you all mine. So first thought that pops in my head for coach of the year this year especially after kind of what we saw last week is Cliff Kingsbury. How great have the Cardinals been this year, especially him, him coming in, uh, you know, coming in from college, not really being a winner in college. Heading into the uh, season, he was on the hot seat. Like there was talk of him being on the hot seat. He was very up and down. Like his, his games, he would come out and his script is great. His first, you know, uh, half a quarter or, or whatever first quarter and his team looks good going into the half and then he, they fall off in the third and fourth quarters or he'll have a great game one week then the next week his team looks like shit so now he's kind of pulling it all together and we see what what uh what these you know general managers had in mind when they interviewed him his offense looks looks great he gets a dynamic player in Kyler Murray and and tailors his offense around him so i think those two uh you know being 
that the young guys that they are and being offensive minded and dynamic works great together. The defense looks pretty damn good this year. And after losing JJ Watt, the defense looks like they almost didn't even really skip a beat. So I think Sean Payton is another one that's probably you could maybe mention just because like, have you seen all the shit that's going on with that team? And he's still kind of keeping them in the playoff race. So that those are probably my one and two right now. Did y'all happen to read the not so Monday morning thoughts this week so far? I did. Okay. So I'll just kind of take it from here. Um, my answer was Sean Payton pending a playoff appearance. Um, I don't even care what the record is. If they make the playoffs, it's, I would say it's, it's incredible. Sean Payton. And you guys know, I'm probably more critical than most saints fans of Sean Payton. And it's because of the, constant blunders the consistent um flubs and coaching philosophy and this and that which causes them to lose games but that being said saints are still five and three or five and four right now i don't remember still have a winning record still in the playoff hunt still in the mix and they lost Jameis winston who was supposed to be the heir apparent to breeze at least temporarily and now they're starting trevor simeon which of course will be sprinkled in with the fucking Taysom Hill bullshit, but if they manage to make the postseason, it's got to be Peyton. It's got to be. Yeah, I don't think they'll make the postseason. Um, I just uh, that's that's hard to fill. Um, you know, and I don't think uh, Trevor Simeon's the answer. Um, but the only other name I was going to throw out there. And again, this is more like predicting towards the finish line. If it keeps going, um, you got to talk about at least the job that uh, Frank Reich's doing in Indy because Indy Another was supposed to be predicated on postseason. If they make the yeah, postseason, yeah, absolutely. Supposed to be kind of a bottom dweller in a bad division. Um, they get, you know, Carson Wentz, the head case, and all that. And they just keep winning games. Jonathan Taylor has, I think, at least three or four 70-plus yard TD runs this year. Um, a stud. You know, that that defense is formidable. Um, they're winning games, you know. And, and the reason why Reich sticks out to me is – He fixed Carson that, Wentz? What's that? Because he fixed Carson Wentz, right? I'm not ready to say that, no. <laughs> um, but what I like is – since he got into Indy, he's always been that coach. Even if you disagree with his call, he sticks by his call every single time, and he plays to win, not to lose. You know, was it last season with Lafleur and the field goal? Reich's not doing that. You know, at times he's probably going for from his own 35, which, again, you can criticize that. But give me that guy coaching my team. Um, so if the Colts keep it up, and right now it's their division to lose with Henry going down, um, I think he's in it towards the end. If they end up winless, I'm still saying Dan Campbell. Yeah. And of course I'm joking in that, but I'll, t- I'll tell you this though, before we get into fantasy, I do want to mention this Dan Campbell. God damn it. If there is a coach I want to win badly in the NFL, it's him. Um, dude, he's just, Oh my God. He is the guy you want to play for. I read a story earlier. He find himself this year. <laughs> Like he levied a fine on himself for some coaching decision, um, supposedly. So, but dude, the more I hear him talk, the more I'm like, damn it. Like I want this guy to win. 
Um, they they will. They're that roster. He's got a lot to fix on that team first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jared Goff sucks. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> Jared Goff sucks. Period. Hey, Danny, can we get a motion to add him to the sucks list? <laughs> Immediately added. All right. Well, let's get into the fantasy. Uh, let's get into the fun shit. But before, of course, we what? One thing, quick. Have to throw it out there. Um, for the first time ever, a player was sacked, intercepted, and had a fumble recovery from a player with the same name, Josh okay. Allen. Josh Allen. Nine to six, Jags win. Twice the amount of wins as last year. Let's go, Tila Steele. Fire Urban Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Still fired from my best part of best part of this podcast so far. Um, so let's get into the fantasy, but uh, of course, before we do that, Danny, let's hear it. You know what we're here for. I, I was why I'm here. Oh man, I gotta go in and find it. You do here have to find it, but also, are I, I we getting it. additions to it? Because I I think there are two additions that well, need to be added now. There there will be additions. Um, like you said under the weather last week right so i'm using that as an excuse okay but we just talked about two today that need to be added so let's do it i i will i i have a short-term memory man i already forgot one of the two i just you know the other one involved the weekly picks group which isn't added yet but will be yeah yeah you can add a mike jacecki because he's got six targets and no fucking catches tonight Cool. I started him in my dynasty league and you know, yeah, I'm tanking in there. So there we go. So here, here it is. Sports center top 10 sucks. NFL taunting rule sucks. Uh, see the bears game, right. Um, from this past week, Ida sucks. Ida sucks. Uber sucks. Atlanta traffic sucks. Spreadsheets suck. Taliban sucks. Mike surface friendship sucks. Jacksonville sucks, but not as much because we won. Uh, State Farm sucks. Pulse Fitness sucks. WWE sucks. Uh, Andrew Cuomo sucks. Soche's free agent budget spending sucks. Taysom Hill sucks. Urban Meyer sucks. Candy Corn sucks. Um, I've already forgotten the other two that we need to add. Uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff sucks. I'm going to keep saying it. It will not change. So first and foremost, I will say I think Andrew Cuomo is my favorite on this year's list because it is the most random one that gets thrown in, and every time I chuckle when I hear it. it it's, um, it's funny and earned. You should add his brother, he too. He you should add Chris Cuomo. Just the Cuomos? The no, Cuomo like brothers Have them both suck. separate because they both suck yeah. equally. Um, <laughs> but, no, the other thing that got proposed was, so with our weekly picks group, which uh, – is comprised of basically the shadow government of the dirty dozen. The loser of the weekly picks each year gets added to the sucks list, which right now is going to be me because I've fucking picked 18 games, right? I'm 18, 26, and one. Damn it. Yeah, terrible. And um, you and I are both about to catch a loss on this because <laughs> this barn burner of a Thursday night Dude. game. Pick the Ravens, and I was like, nah, screw it. I'm jumping on it, too, and then fuck. What a terrible game so far. Yeah. yeah. This is, like, this is why baseball sucks, because it scores six runs to three runs, and I've been sitting here for two hours, and nothing's happening. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, uh, getting into the taunting rule, 
since that is on the list. God damn it. They need to change it. Bottom line, this is ridiculous. I'm so sick of this stupid taunting penalties. Um, the only but- good thing about the taunting penalty from this past week is we got to see Lord Cassius Marsh, um, you know, pretty much coming off of the wall to do his postgame interview. Um, that fur coat is uh, – that was something else, man. It was solid, dude. I guarantee you he killed at least three White Walkers on his way to the podium. Handmade so, that thing. Yeah. So, biggest news out of fantasy. Well, first and foremost, I'm first place in the Dirty Dozen still. Great time right. to be alive. Um, still in the playoff hunt in the family league. But I texted y'all about this, the Dynasty League. So, I'm just sitting there. It's a random weeknight, and I get a trade offer. And I've gotten probably half a dozen trade offers for Christian McCaffrey. Um, at this point, which this league started, our first draft was last year, I think. Um, and I got, like I said, probably half a dozen trade offers. None of them I was even remotely considering for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so I get the trade offer and I read it. And I'm like, James Connor, Leonard Fournette, um, Sterling Shepard, a first and two seconds for Christian McCaffrey. And that's it. I was like. All right. So I text the dude back and I'm like, all right, cool. How about James Conner, Leonard Fournette, two number ones, no number twos, and you can keep Sterling Shepard. He rejected it because of the risk with Christian McCaffrey's injuries. Um, but of course, I'm going to aim high, right? Um, and I really, I don't know, like I at, when I first read it, I was like, I don't know. This feels like one of those trades where it's just a bunch of jumbled mess to make it seem like it's better. I ended up accepting. I'm very happy about it because now I'm sitting with two first round picks. One of the things that I completely forgot about, I have cam Akers just chilling on my IR right now. Um, so now I have three formidable running backs. Once cam Akers comes back looking like I'm going to get a top three pick this year. Um, as I continue to forget to set my lineups each week, like for example, started lat Murray he was ruled out. So zero points for him. Mike Kosicki's sucking right now. So that's always good. Um, so yeah, you know, let's just continue to suck and, you know, get a top three pick. And then I'm sitting on my quarterbacks, which are Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, Jimmy G and uh, Trevor Lawrence. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy about that trade. Yeah. I, you weren't the only one to make a trade this week. Um, I made the, a trade I'm so in our sick of you getting lopsided fucking trades and dirty. Hey, man, I'm the hardest working GM in that league. Damn it. I'm always willing to wheel and deal. Um, but Matt, this is the first year hearing of it. I believe, um, Danny O'Shea, me, uh, traded Ryan or traded Javante Williams, Pat Fryermuth, Matt Stafford and Russell Gage to Hurricane Utter also known as Justin, for Ryan Tannehill, Darren Waller, Brandon Cooks, and Zach Moss. And I'm very, very pleased with that. Um, this trade was obviously made before Odell. I don't think it would have changed it. You know, I have Josh Allen as my, my QB1 in that league. Um, Stafford was expendable. Uh, and, Mike, you and I have talked about this a couple times. If Josh Allen goes down, I'm just going to plug and pop off the the free agent 
Why? I don't understand the value in quarterbacks and trades. I don't. The if you are using a quarterback to add value to your trade market, you're doing it, it wrong. Or if you think you're getting a better deal because you're upgrading a quarterback, you're not. Like even even Tom Brady, like the only time it makes sense is if if you know by like week four. And what I mean by that is someone's just on an absolute tear. Right. Mahomes, like you get the Peyton Manning, 5,050. You get the Patrick Mahomes, 5,050. Sure. Right. But unless there is an outlier, you not, can find a quarterback on the waivers any given week that will give you 20 plus. I picked up Carson Wentz in Dirty Dozen uh, last week to plug and play for Tom Brady, 23 points. And now I'm like, you know what? He's a top 10 quarterback. He's going to sit on my bench for the rest of the season. I don't care. I'm keeping him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was more happy. I was happier that I got Waller and Brandon Cooks. Um, just because Cooks has been a, a boomer bus guy. He's going to fit in nicely into my flex. Um, you know, and, and I'm still going to try and make more trades as it goes on. Um, and Matt, to give you... Uh, a little bit of understanding. I've made a trade the last three years. The reason Mike says that I win the lopsided trades is because I pretty much start trading after like week four, I'm sending you offers in this league and just seeing what you're willing to deal, what you want, right. Just kind of gauging it from there. Um, two years ago or three seasons ago, if we're counting this one, um, I traded Allen Robinson for Leonard Fournette. That was when Fournette was going off. Um, our guy Andrew is still very, very upset about that in our league. Dude, he went on a diatribe. You can tell that trade is still living rent-free in this man's head. Dude, the we're talking We're talking like a six-message thread where he was just ranting about it. It was the most glorious thing I've ever seen. And then, was that um, the year the Jags went to the AFC Championship? No, was that that no. year? No. No. It was I believe it was the following year. Um, but he was still having a heck of a year. Um last year I treat I picked up uh Devonta Freeman on the waiver wire and three weeks later traded him to said person being Andrew for I forget who it was, but you know uh it was Jameson Crowder. Yeah, Jameson Crowder, who was just a PPR monster at that point um in which case you know i think that might be when mike just started calling him a dummy you know like mike just keeps it so third grade like great job you dummy but mike was on the group me saying danny is trying to take advantage of all of you with the trades do not accept his trade and because it was mike hotard saying it people did it just in spite of him being andrew and I got Jameson Crowder for, for nothing not for nothing. Like and, I literally went on Groomy last year and I'm like, seriously, Danny is throwing around ball bag offers where he is going to win definitively. Do not accept anything. And then literally six hours later, I get a notification and I see it and I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah. So then I go on Groomy. I was like, Andrew, you're the biggest dumbass I've ever met. You used to be smart. I don't know what happened. So ever since then, I've been calling him a dummy, and that's just the shtick I'm going with. And the thing is, he doesn't intentionally play into it, but 
he has very dumb moments and it just completely plays into everything. And I'm just like, well, you're just solidifying what I said, you fucking dummy. But but that's why I'm the, the hardest working GM in that league. Um, I'll never be able to trade with Mike. He's just as cynical, if not more cynical than me. Um, you know, and, and we would sit Wait, there. and. The thing. Okay, so here's the thing. So people like Danny, what they do is they'll put four players in for two, but three of the four are bench players, and the last one's like a borderline flex. And then they'll try to get – he'll try to get your RB2 from you and maybe like your definitive flex player. And he's like, but no, you're getting four. You could start them right away. I'm like, no, no, you can't. This is not a fair offer. You're not even getting the production value out of those four. That's even equal to one, let alone two. So he'll do this. And every year someone bites the bullet and it happened again. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, whatever. And that was the other thing. So Andrew goes on this tirade about the Robinson Fournette deal, which again, at the time, still a fine trade, but he's like, you know, bitching about all this because I'm I'm not going to veto the trade. I don't veto trades unless there is clear definitive collusion that someone is just tanking and giving up their roster like I did in one league one year and still managed to win the fucking league and then left that league immediately. Um, I, I don't veto trades because if you fall for it, you fucking deserve it. Yeah, but the thing is, is this was offered to me because it started two weeks ago. Started putting out feelers, you know. Started putting the trades, and then all of a sudden, I put one in. It got rejected, and then a week later, you know, I get offered this one. I didn't even send a counter. Normally, I would. I was like, nah. When when you got a good deal, you say thank you, and keep moving along. Um, and that's what I did. And now we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Um. Yeah, so fun fact though. So, um, Soche, we've talked about Soche a lot. You remember that time he traded for <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell? Yeah. Remember that time he traded Tim Patrick for Kenneth Gainwell? Yeah. Kenneth Gainwell was on the waiver wire this week. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't even know who in our league has Tim Patrick, who he traded with. Um, Tim He's Patrick. been very consistent, Tim Patrick has this year. Yeah. Last week he had 16 and a half points. He's I'm a playing against Tim Patrick this week. It's the person One, two, you just traded four, with. He's had he's had six of the nine weeks with double digit points in fantasy. And I think he's had like six or seven in the weeks he didn't get double digits, which is like, I mean, if he gets seven, it's not the end of the world, right? And with right. the second flex, with a second flex in this league, it's that's that's great production because it's usable, right? Right, like if your floor for your second flex is six and a half, seven points, that's a win. Oh, yeah. yeah I so like that my, my second flex, though. I like <laughs> that my second flex on most weeks is going to be, um, you know, Jerry Judy or Robert Woods. That's always a good Robert one. Woods. <laughs> Dude, fucking 12th best receiver in fantasy right now, and I picked him off off of waivers. Yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. Dude, like, I literally hope – I literally hope I win the championship this year 
And uh, and I win by like one point, and Robert Woods is my last player and scores like thirteen or something to give me the win. Like, and, and you're using some of your winnings to buy a Robert Woods jersey right afterwards. Oh, one hundred percent, I would wear it to the draft, sir. Oh, you would. <laughs> oh you would. yes. Like I said, yes, hopefully so. we can get you in this next year, man. I hope so. That sounds like fun, man. I'll try to fly down for the draft and everything. Dude, my- it, you have to. My favorite thing this week in, in group me and fantasy was uh, we had, um, you know, like I said, I had one trade, so kept wheeling and dealing, trying to make more. And, uh, you know, we had our, our boy Mike, different Mike, um, say, see, this is why no one wants to trade with you. <laughs> this is after I made the trade. Because I was this is after him- you made the trade, and you're literally the person who makes the most trades in this league every year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just had a, a great time because it was literally like, you know, I sent him some trade and it was, it was one-sided, but I just wanted to get a reaction out of him. Um, and he sent me one back and I was like, Oh, come on. Like, if you're going to try it, like at least make it, you know, less apparent. And then he said, see, this is why no one wants to trade with you. Um, someone literally traded with me less than 24 hours ago and he just kind of put the emoji like he was thinking i don't think he understood that that trade had happened yet um but we'll see i mean to be determined i'm gonna make more trades that's just what you're supposed to do in fantasy have you made any trades yet matt I made one trade. Uh, it's in my dynasty league so i flipped adam thielen and my I think it was my it was either my sixth or my seventh. I think it was my sixth for Cordaro Patterson and his seventh, which I mean Patterson you can use wide receiver running back, so I feel like that's invaluable in itself. And uh, my running backs so far this year I have uh, Darrell Henderson, I have Sanders who's on IR, DeAndre Swift who's had that nagging groin injury, and Antonio Gibson who's had that freaking shin injury. So. I'm I'm just walking on thin ice with the running back. So just kind of felt like I had to make a move. Uh, I Thielen's been killing it, but I just, I don't know, man. I got a feeling he's going to have that touchdown regression at some point. And Justin Jefferson, no. yes, yeah, how high, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and he keeps it up, but I, I would lean towards the, uh, him not keeping it up, honestly, not to say he's not a good receiver, but he's got Justin Jefferson on the other side who, who's been doing well, but, Hasn't been getting as many uh, as many catches and, and yardage and touchdowns as I would have assumed, but I got to think the uh, regression's coming. So I made that move, especially with Calvin Ridley, not knowing exactly what's going on with him. Hope everything's fine with with Ridley, but he's yeah. just a, a share monster in that offense. They love giving him the ball. It, it's crazy to see his production. You know, I never thought I'd see the day where Cordero Patterson is like the RB four for freaking fantasy football. Fantasy balls, baby. <laughs> that being said, man, I mean, Matt, I'm playing you this week in the family league, and Devontae um, Freeman got talk you a about solid that one. 4.3. Um, I'm projected to beat the shit out of you. Take it well, it doesn't help that my, that my top three picks are all on the bench from either being hurt or having COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, man, it's been a good year in fantasy, I will say. Yeah, I fall back to four and five in that league, and, and my team is uh, – 
is in shambles. Dude, I'm in this A-team random league that I just took on because my buddy was like, I need to fill the spot. I was like, I'll do it. My running backs in this league are Jonathan Taylor, Daryl Henderson, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, Chuba Hubbard, Saquon Barkley. I am Mike, three and six. Not a <laughs> I am three and six in that league. Um, I have Hollywood Brown and Chris Godwin, but I've also won the last three. Like, I don't know how I started out 0-6 in that league, but somehow managed to. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm about to come back from the dead and win the whole thing. It's going to be great. But, um, yeah, other than that, man, it's been a great episode, as always. It's always good. And holy shit, fat. <laughs> Please tell me all you saw what happened on the game. I did. Now. I did. No, what happened? Uh, they ran a little trickery. You had a lineman catch the ball. He went, tried to go Reggie Bush, got flipped. Pretty sure he's dead now. Um, oh, here's the replay. Trickery. It wasn't trickery. It was ineligible receiver. Oh, he did score. He reached the ball out. He had the wherewithal to do it. Wow, what a play. Way to end the podcast on such a great note. What an absolute barn burner of a play. But, uh, yeah, he he might be dead now. Um that being said, been a great episode. And uh, as always, honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.